You're tuning into Spectre Radio. Revisiting our favorite Star Wars movie moments and debating about scenes from the shows. We're just three millennials trying to find way through the galaxy through the eyes of the Jedi, clones, and the Sith. I'm Wyatt. I'm Andrew. My name is Alyssa, and we are Spectre Radio. It was a wise decision for you to surrender. I didn't have much choice. Oh, nonsense. You could have chosen to let your people die. However, you chose to be a spoiler. Predictable. You follow a long history written by the spoilers where they chose what they believed to be morally correct instead of what is strategically sound. And yet the spoilers have survived. Thank you, Grand Admiral Thrawn, for the spoiler and adult content warning. Reminder, this is your adult content and spoiler warning. Future Wyatt here coming in to say that since we are all on different planets across the galaxy when we record this podcast, there was a solar flare from the sun where my planet was in the nearest orbit, which affected my audio recording. Apologies in advance. Without further ado, let's jump right in. It was a simple story about a boy who was lost and a girl who was broken. They fought alongside a survivor, a war veteran, and a fallen knight. I led them into battle against an evil so terrible it tried to black out the stars. We fought for each other. We fought for those who could not. But we never imagined it would end like this. Hello and welcome to part two of Rebels. We are continuing on this breakdown of our favorite, truly, of Rebels, the animated series. Um, I want to thank Brian, one of our favorite redheads, for coming back on this podcast. <laughs> Woohoo, Brian! Hey, guys. <laughs> I know him. Thanks for having me again. Uh, Brian joined us on um, our first Consult the Council. Um, so, Brian, Brian, welcome back. So, we're going to jump into our first segment, um, our favorite episode from season three and four. So... Mine was uh, season four, episode 10, Jedi Knight. Um, mm. to, to recap, basically, that's the one at the end where Kanan gives his life to save um, the Spectre crew in a big sacrifice. And I love this so much because I love the, the person give, giving their life for the, for the greater good. And, and then I'm not sure whether you guys saw, you probably did, but right before he's about to push the crew away, he gets his vision back and sees Hera. Oh, yeah. no. We'll so see tender. each other again, I promise. Yes. I forgot about Exactly. That. He said that, and um, it got me right in the feels. Oh, <laughs> um, why you do have a heart. I do, I know. It's small. Of course it's, he does. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, season three and four was packed with so much content and so much more, you know, open up Mandalore and um, more about Darksaber. Mm. Um, but 
if I had to pick one, it's got to be Jedi Knight because the mm-hmm. whole building of that episode to just that explosion of, of the fuel tanks, and then yeah, once you see everything kind of unwrapping, you're like, oh no, I hope he doesn't die, and then there he goes, and then. The worst part is um, Zeb's reaction to finding out. Oh yeah. So where he, yeah, he where just, is he? Yeah, he that hurts. That breaks breaks me every time I watch it. It's like when Chewie like saw Han die yeah. all over again. Ugh. Yeah. All the death in the fields. We're starting out on a positive note for Good. this yeah, episode. <laughs> so. Someone, someone, take me in, in the opposite direction, please. <laughs> um, I had a few. Uh, it was kind of hard for me to narrow it down because I don't, I don't do favorites very well. I don't know if like every podcast we've noticed that I don't do one favorite. I, I'm not that good at it, um, and I don't think my brother's that good at it either. <laughs> um, I, no, it's so very I, difficult. It is because, like, you know, I don't know. I, I blame I your parents. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> probably it's somewhat true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I liked uh, World Between Worlds. Yes. Um, so, because that had some of Jedi Knight in it. You know, you get you get Ezra saving Ahsoka, which if you watched Rebels while it was out and you were on the internet, you got the whole Ahsoka lives thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I don't know if you guys remember seeing that on Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram, no. but that was like put on, on Twitter by like Dave Filoni. And the fans are like, oh, what, what? And they thought that meant, you know, back from season two when she was introduced. But he posted it again after season two. So we're like, is he just reposting it? What's going on? And then, you know, as well, for a while, her. I think it was like a Ahsoka lives question mark. Oh, yeah. Right? It was, there was like question mark. Just, and, and then, then like, we, well, we kept seeing the, uh, we kept seeing Morai, the, the bird. The that owl, was yeah. the the owl that was the embodiment of the daughter, of the daughter from the Clone right. Wars. So we thought, oh, uh, you know, did Ahsoka also go into that? That's what everyone was thinking at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see her saved, but it was also another in the feels moment um, when he's like, "You don't know what you're asking me to do." When she says, "You can't save your master, just like I can't yes. save mine." Yeah. So that was that was pretty much just as hard as watching him give his life the first time. Absolutely. I felt like that was so profound. And I'm going to kind of jump in and piggyback off you because I also had that as my favorite episode of season four. Um, I think it's so visually appealing too. It's so different. I mean, we get a couple of those episodes where, you know, um, and forgive me if I'm, I'm forgetting the name of, of which episode, but when Ezra has the vision of Yoda and he gets to actually physically see him and not just hear his voice, it's kind of that same like twilight in between world between worlds situation right um so i just think that's so visually appealing and just so different than seeing you know lothal or the inside of another cruiser or whatever it's just a different um scene and it just felt so peaceful and just like very just like a blank slate it really kind of reminded me of the beginning of like it's a wonderful life when the stars are kind of like talking to each other yeah. Or um, the other extreme that my 90s child brain took me was the Rainbow Road Mario Kart um, <laughs> background. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Oh, yeah. I was like, why am I getting Rainbow Road vibes from this? Um, but it's that dark sky, right? So um, I love that episode because 
Um, that's probably my favorite category we do in a lot of our podcasts is the what if, right? And that's the embodiment of the what if of what if Ezra made the decision to take Kanan out and, you know, Ahsoka has to point out to him, then you, you lose your life and then everything else that goes with it, it it's this big puzzle, you know, that just starts to unravel. So um, I, def- I definitely had that, that one. That was my favorite for season. One of the other reasons is one, all of those uh, little moments that were inside those circles, those circles kind of looked like stargates. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But stargates. another, another uh, reason go. is like, it, I don't know if I can, I, if I can explain this right um, over just audio. Cause I know we could see each other over, over zoom. It basically made the box that star Wars fits in bigger if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because now they've got time travel, but not right. even necessarily that it was like, it was almost like a world made by the force because you heard different moments in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to say it. So it kind of made the, it just kind of expanded what the possibilities was, but it was a great way to close it too. Cause it's just like, Oh, time travel exists, but uh, you're pretty much not going back to that right now. So it's, it's not like, like, like Star they could Wars just speed force. Yeah except the speed force they use all the time in flash um whereas they can't really do that i can't keep up with that it's so annoying that's where i stopped watching (laughs) i was like this is too much you've time traveled 18 times like they they, they time traveled way too much in in flash too too early but for season three um because that was my season four episode um season three it was kind of a a a couple of way ties i it, it was again it was really hard for me to pick i liked the last battle where they ran into the battle droids and it was like a, a Captain Rex episode. Um, and I liked um, the zero outer hour two-parter, um, the battle at the end of the season where Thrawn's like show, shows up and almost destroys them. And then Callus is officially on their side. Yes. So yeah. I love the, that one. Yeah. That's, I think that's the one that, that I said, cause I was also like trying to figure out top ones. Because, like, the show overall, I think, is just so good. Like, I love seasons one and two. But three and four are just on, like, a whole nother level with, like, how good it is, in my opinion. And so, like, for season four, I just put, like, the second half of season four. Like, honestly, like, they're all <laughs> just so much. good. I, I preferred um, the second half over the first, for sure. Yeah, and, like, the first half is, like, really great. Like, you get a lot of, like, the Mandalore and, and some more, like, Genosis moments. But, but yeah, for season three, I, I also put the zero hour uh one and two the the finale of uh mm. of season three because i mean it's like thrawn at his like like best like military genius mm-hmm. um mm. which like it's this is really like the first time we've seen it we've like seen little bits of it yeah. like throughout the show like you can see he's like showing restraint because he's trying to like cast a bigger net to catch more rebels and while no, he doesn't catch every single rebel, but he's got like multiple cells at this point, like trapped on this planet. He's yeah. got like a really good blockade. Um, and like the only reason he loses is like imperial incompetence of like Constantine, like not listening to him at all. He's like, <laughs> this is why we're doing this. Like you stay there. So there's no shenanigans. Yeah. He doesn't stay there. Shenanigans, right? Shenanigans <laughs> ensues, yes. And then after that, there's like Jedi magic from Bendu, like also completely <laughs> outside of Thrawn's control. Yes. So he Wyatt, does Did everything. you recognize Bendu's voice, Wyatt? Oh gosh, you, you told me this when we were watching it. Um, Tom Baker. 
Really? The fourth doctor. Uh huh. From Doctor Who. The oh, fourth doctor. Goodness. We're getting all the fandoms <laughs> in today as we as we love to do. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's just like I just yeah, those those episodes are good. And even like Andrew was saying, with like with Callus, um, yeah, he's he's one of my favorite characters in this season. Well, I'm sure talk about that later, but yeah. just the whole like those those episodes, just everything about it. Um, I just really enjoyed him. Uh, I also there there was one episode that I put from earlier in season three that I also really enjoyed. It was Hera's Heroes. It was yes. episode five. Um, so it's when they go back to Ryloth, um, and she goes back to try and get her Calcori, her yes. family heirloom. Um, so there's like a lot of like tender family moments. Um, like we see like her and Sham's relationship getting a little bit better. I love Sham. Um, and then we like this is one of the first times I think like the crew's really seen Thrawn. Um, mm-hmm. So like them figuring out like who is this guy like and how yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm mentally there with you guys. Like I am understanding like what the Calicory is. Um, uh-huh. the significance and Hera's just like no I'm gonna destroy it like you can't have it and right. he's like I, I think that I understand what this is but I'm sorry if I'm being rude he's like just being like totally like actually polite whereas like the other imperial officer is just like just, she's a thief yeah he has <laughs> he has no idea what's going on he's, yeah and it was it was painfully obvious and I it was like oh cool sweetie <laughs> I thought that was cool for that reason, though, that we get to see a glimpse of like another piece of culture in the yeah. Star Wars universe, because there's so much, you know, out there that we don't really get to see. And that was a nice glimpse into like being a Twi'lek and like w- what that means for her tribe and her family and mm-hmm. and all of that. So I agree. That was a great episode. Yeah, I think the last thing I want to say on that episode was just like the prisoner exchange at the end. Like I something I had noticed <laughs> while watching it, like uh Kanan like walks down the ramp with Sham right and like he's a Jedi like completely like his lightsaber is on display he's not hiding his Jedi status at all arguably like Slavin should have probably been like way more worried and concerned about Kanan than Shamsundula but like he doesn't even realize that the Jedi is there he's like I've got my adversary he's mine and then totally loses it all and then Kanan just gives him the salute but he's yes. just like there, like classic jedi like i'm handling this negotiation which is like a throwback to when the jedi were actually like doing things so i thought that was like a cool (laughs) little thing for sure yeah i think for me um the other episode that was my favorite that we didn't touch on yet from season three was through imperial eyes episode 17 Mm -hmm. and i love that because it was so fun to like watch all of these like double agents and double crossings like just continue to unravel and weave themselves into this tangled mess is that the one where he frames lieutenant list yes Yes. i had no idea what was going on yes and he was so my man can flex on everybody like he was so good he He convinced everyone he dunked on everybody (laughs) i mean and and like to his credit i don't think anybody could really trick Thrawn yeah um, because obviously later on you know spoiler alert in season four like he doesn't get bested by somebody tricking him it's like I'm gonna sacrifice my stuff like my master to best you because that's the only way it's gonna happen mm-hmm. so yeah I think um that really speaks a lot to the type of character that Callus is but um 
it, it was really fun. I loved that episode. It was just like really cool to see it all come together. Yeah, that was uh, an honorable mention episode for me. That, that one's definitely up there. Yeah, I, so I pretty much didn't not like any of them. So it was really hard to come up yes. with a uh, yes. with the least favorite episode. Um, ugh, and and I say this one, and and for me, it's not so much as a. It, it's it's exactly that. It's a least favorite. It's not like I didn't like this one, but the only one I can come up with was in my notes. I have written Iron Squadron was just okay. <laughs> That like it was in toward the middle of season three where they I think it was um it was uh June Sato's nephew mm-hmm. where they run into him um and his little crew and they've been basically like fending off my capo against these like small imperial cruisers and he's just like and then a light cruiser shows up he's like oh cool a star destroyer and they're like no a star destroyer is six or seven times as big. <laughs> And he's like, oh, we don't, we don't run away from the empire. It's like you do now. So it's just, <laughs> it was, I don't know. It was, it was just okay compared to the rest of the season. And then the next season, I don't, that's, that was just my personal opinion. For me, least favorite, I, I'm glad Andrew kind of clarified, you know, it's your, we all like almost every episode of Rebel. Mm-hmm. So agree. As far as least favorite, I'm going to have to go um, Ghosts of Geonosis. Um, really? season three episode 11 and 12 wow interesting Be- because uh, to me they did Saul Guerrero dirty <laughs> they made him seem like more like a radical than a freedom fighter pretty sure we talked about this last time I was here actually we did <laughs> I, I mean but that's kind of who he is though I right mean, but in my eyes like granted he gets all old and decrepit by the time we reach Rogue One Old and um, decrepit. He's like only in his like mid to late thirties. Well, by the time life. we get to Rogue One, <laughs> he's more no, machine now than man. The reason he's <laughs> he looks so old and decrepit is because one, he's been captured so many times and tortured, and two, he was on Geonosis too long, so he was exposed to the pesticides. So he's like literally, it literally he's aged fried. him. His brain's fried. He like literally has an alien, like touch uh, Bodhi's mind and almost kill him. Oh, we're gonna get the truth. But you might lose your mind. That's a, that's that's a little radical, Wyatt, and that's how we're introduced to him. I mean, yeah. but the whole like basis <laughs> of those two episodes, I mean, a whole genocide of an entire species yeah. seems not very Star Wars like. You're being sarcastic. Have you seen Star Wars actually? <laughs> do you do so you, before they blow up Alderaan? Ep- episode four. There's more I've, humans. There's fine. But did, oh did you see God. that episode where almost all the Lasats were wiped out? The the okay, Empire so, almost committed genocide against the Lasats. <laughs> That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. I, and, and, and then listen, the Wookiees, how they're enslaved fine. all the time. That's, well, that's fine. Why it's, it, listen, it's not a, it's not a bad opinion. Like I said, it's, it's my least favorite. Okay. I like them all. It's my least favorite. Fair yeah. enough. So, I, I'm, off, I'm not I'm trying to crap to on you. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to crap on you. <laughs> oh no, you did not just say hot bob. Oh no. Oh my god, that killed me. No, so my opinion is the opposite of Wyatt's as usual. Um, well, not always, but pretty, pretty Most much. Most of the time. Um, so I, I couldn't pick an episode kind of how we're saying, like, I just, there was no, there was nothing that I was like, Oh, I don't want to watch this. Um, so I kind of was thinking like general like moments, um, and just like the whole plot and why it's going to turn off his camera. 
um, just with Saw. I just couldn't buy it and I just, it didn't grab me. I was like, all right, can we fast forward and get back to the, the war, please? Ooh, you you mean to tell me that Wyatt's Man Crush Monday uh, bored you and did not <laughs> grab your attention? My my opinion is that him in live action was better. And I know why it's going to be like, you're insane. But no, what lines I, do you quote, Wyatt? What lines do you quote? You. Okay. Deception. Deception. I know. Pull on every, every god. It's Forrest Whitaker. He's so quotable. He's perfect. He's perfect. And I mean, I love him as the voice actor for, for this too, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't love that. And then um, another moment that you, you guys can crap on me for is don't kiss somebody because apparently you'll get pregnant and your spouse will die or your partner <laughs> will die. Like, I want to know, is there, I mean, I I hear there's like more in the canon within the books or comics maybe that we don't really get to see their romance and their relationship in the series. But how are you going to tell me fast forward this man is dead all we got to see was a kiss on the lips and boom there's a baby and i was like no no and we watched that together as a group on mm-hmm. disney plus yeah she was and, like what the crap how did we that FaceTimed happen to each other and i was like i'm sorry i went to catholic school how did a kiss lead to a baby <laughs> <laughs> so please I'll, if yeah, there's more in the canon was there more that i i don't know about to that relationship or the only thing I know of that's like more in canon, like they did have a book, A New Dawn, but that's way before. That's before the show. Like way before the show. I was watching some clips on YouTube and they were saying, oh, there's some other stuff out there about their relationship. So I guess you got to do some digging. To wondering if they just meant like fanfic. Maybe honestly. it is. It could be. Yeah, it could be. But uh, for me, uh, the episode that I didn't love, because again, like, Loved the vast majority of this these two seasons. Uh, it was season three, episode nineteen, Double Agent Droid. Um, uh, when like this weird like hacking group got a hold of Chopper and tried to like find out all of their secrets. It was like there are parts of it that were kind of fun, but it was just like a weird diversion. And there's there's just a lot of weirdness. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't love it. You know who that main guy was supposed to be, right? That main uh, Imperial hacker? Who? It was supposed to be like the, I, I forget what his title is, but he's like under Dave Filoni. He was like the executive producer, like Pablo Hidalgo or whatever. Oh, That's I, who that I main guy that. was supposed to be. So they've literally made a character just for him. Yeah, so it's just like a and weird then they, like... Then he died. Yeah, the whole crew had like cybernetic implants and it was just, it was just very weird. Like... I, I guess maybe what I did enjoy is like AP5, we got to see more of him and Wedge, yeah. but I also don't love uh, Rebels' portrayal of uh, Wedge. because That's because Brian and I are used to books where they actually like do Wedge, right? Not even that, but in, <laughs> in like not even 10 years, he's leading Rogue Squadron and he's just like, a, he has he's completely oblivious in the show. That's fair. Like anytime that's you a, see him. Hey, personal growth. What can we say? I do, I do like, uh, I do like the droid version of Snape. I mean, uh, AP5. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I liked AP5 because we get to see that type of droid again in the Mandalorian. And I, um, I really enjoyed that episode, that piece I thought was pretty fun and interesting. Well, I know we could definitely talk about favorites all day long and least favorites. Um, So let's keep it going with our favorite characters and I can kind of kick things off. I know a lot of us already said 
um, Agent Callus, but really more so Fulcrum slash Rebel Callus. So I definitely had him on my list because, you know, he reminds me of a, a Shrek 2 Prince Charming. So he's not a bad guy, right? I'm uh, saying. Do you, do you like the facial hair before he turns or after he turns? Ooh. Do you like it longer? No, I just shorter? I just like I just like the after look altogether. Like whatever that, that is, it's just working. He also looks better in rebel uh attire than he does in I the agree. clothing. Yeah. Yeah, you're checking him out. I see that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, you you have the whole episode where him and Zeb are stuck on the on that on that moon, and oh, after, yeah. after Zeb gets rescued and Callus goes back to his dorm or his 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 office, and he realizes <laughs> crap. His dorm. <laughs> realizes crap. I'm alone. Like no one here gives yeah. two f's about me. Yeah, they didn't ask how you're doing. Has the leg? No. Nothing. Yep. Yeah, Constantine's just like, oh hey, th- you're you're here and you're back. I've got some reports on you on the desk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, and the guys know this because I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan. So I have to say Fen Rao because, and Brian is probably like, what? Um, but Fen Rao is played by Kevin McKidd, who is Owen Hunt on Grey's Anatomy. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, He's a fun character. I like him. Yeah. I, I think his, his he, armor is pretty cool. He does a great job and he gets to use, it's not his like baseline accent. He's actually, um, I want to say he's Scottish. I know he's from, from Europe. Wow. He's from the UK. So I'm pretty sure he's actually Scottish and um, his like real accent is Scottish. But when he's in Grey's Anatomy, he's got an American accent. And then this show, it's kind of like a hybrid, I feel like. So that's kind of cool that he gets to kind of flex and like use his voice work. And then um, I've I've said this one before, but um, Wolf Ularen, so Tom Kane, my, my one of my favorite. And I don't know if you guys remember this and or if we talked about it before, but he actually had a stroke late last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I did hear that. Yeah, lost his ability to speak. So hopefully, we're sending well wishes to you, Tom, and your family. Hopefully, you can please get well. Get your your voice back because we love you. So we um, need you actually. Those (laughs) were yes, we do. We need you to get us through twenty twenty (laughs) one. But I had a question for Brian. So um, I guess for your favorite characters, would you count the Y wings or? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they were in a couple episodes i was like going through the episode list i'm like oh there's there's a y-wing dog fight in, <laughs> they're fighting the defender oh my gosh oh, that's man. almost what brian did that's, that's brian really fought modified question. tie fighters in in the video games that was that was very that was very funny um no i wouldn't include them in my favorite characters <laughs> um but i think i would agree with What's been said, uh, Callus is definitely, especially in in these seasons, uh, one of my favorite characters. You know, redhead representation, gotta love it. Um, pretty pretty good facial hair, and uh, also like you just see his like competence level grow. I mean, we talked about how he pulled one over on literally everyone, yes. but the. He gaslighted everyone. (laughs) Just so well. Like, he's more competent as a rebel than he is as an Imperial. But, like, even when he's, like, faking doing his Imperial tasks, like, he's a more competent Imperial (laughs) than, like, the rest of the Imperials. Like, I mean, I was thinking He's more competent when he's faking his job than when he's actually doing his job. (laughs) I I was thinking about this. Like, how 
it's like also speaks to the incompetence of the empire. Like how much are you not paying attention when your lead guy who's hunting the rebels defects and no one notices? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it's kind of like it's kind of like Hux all over again, but like Hux gets caught and is obviously after this, so that's kind of funny. But yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely yeah, see that. So that was just there. just seeing his growth, and then like even like in the zero hour episode where Thrawn's like, you have the heart of a rebel. And he's like, I'll take that as a compliment and continues to go fisticuffs with him. It still gets the message out. I don't know. Pretty great. Um, I also, I really liked Bendu. I mean, we, we talked about him briefly, but especially Bendu and Kanan's like dynamic. Um, He's just like such a fun character. That's just like another one of those, like, Hey, this is the force. This is how it works. And Kanan's like, well, you know more than I do, so I, I'm going to listen to you. Um, and he, like, like kneels just, to him and everything. Yeah. Um, he's just like, I I am clearly going to humble myself before right. this guy who's clearly way wiser. Um, and, like, it seems like they have fun together uh, until that, like, season finale where he basically Turn calls him a coward. Yeah. Then, I don't think they're Jedi friends Knight. anymore. But give me your were, rent money <laughs> they were having a great time and even just like you could kind of see like the bendu cared about like his and ezra's relationship um so that was fun um let's see other than that i mean also <laughs> maybe hondo the, maybe that's hondo. Where it yes I yeah I, I was listening to your guys clone wars podcast and you guys are talking about hondo a lot and i'm just like man <laughs> He's he's had a he's a roller coaster in the show, but like especially like toward the end, just I just love the quote. He's like, "There is nothing I would not do for that boy." Like he's just like he's finally there. Whereas like maybe halfway through the show, they're like, "Yeah, Hondo's not the friend that you think he is. Like he's not gonna be there for you." But here he is in the season, the series finale. He's there with the rebels, right? So that speaks to also when Ezra says that he's like. Lando Calrissian and Hondo's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> like, buys it. You lied to me. Yeah, you lied. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, I mean, every performance of his is great. But... So wonderful. He's just like, and he just don't be blind to like, this like, opportunity. Oh, 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 oh so sorry. sorry. I knew you would um, see things my way. Oh, sorry again. Those are I'm, those are my two favorite that lines. Surround out of the sound with the Incontrera brothers here. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, man. For me, it's, I mean, everything's kind of already been said as far as, like, we all love, you know, Agent Callis because of his his turn back, back to the good side. Um, we all love Thrawn because he, he thinks differently on the battlefield. Like, he puts his whole self in the shoes of the enemy to understand him. So, like, you remember um, in Thrawn's... Um, office how he had Sabine's paintings kind of all around to kind of study her to try and figure out what her next steps were just so he could try and find where their rebel base was um everybody loves chopper everyone loves a sassy droid (laughs) (laughs) the cat of the the, yeah I have a question about chopper too so when do we like actually and I feel like it was towards the end of the series that we finally got the reveal like I never understood why he was called Chopper and some people listening might not even know this like 
how he's like C1-10. 10P. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it looks like chop on paper. Um, <laughs> and I think at some point throughout the series, like they actually said it. And I was like, oh my God, like that makes so much sense. Like I had no idea, you know, like sometimes when they say R2, it's spelled A-R-T-O-O, right? And they're like R2, like a name. So do you guys know? Did they ever say that or am I crazy? I don't remember the first time, but I know like the the Snape droid, he like says his full name. Snape droid. Oh, yeah. 85. Sorry, excuse me. Um, then, then, I knew what you meant. Uh, oh, I yeah, I've thought about that a lot. But also, Hera, I I don't remember when, but at least one time she says it like his full yeah. name, like he's in trouble. Oh right, so kind of like how she does. Yeah. Garazab Aurelius. Yes. Yeah, the exact like, same to way to him too. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And to, to oh, finish yeah. to finish off my favorite character, so I'm gonna do um, I'm gonna change up a little bit. I'm gonna do favorite duo, um, favorite two who were together, and I don't know how we can overlook this, but Maul and Obi Wan at the mm. very end of season three. Yes, yeah, such a oh. great episode. Um, so twin, good. Twin sons. Twin sons. Mm-hmm. So good. Take a listen to to exactly what we're talking about. Look what has become of you, a rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. I have come to kill you, but perhaps it's worse to leave you here, festering in your squalor. If you define yourself by your power to take life, a desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. What do you have? Why come to this place? Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something. No, protecting someone. Is it the Chosen One? He is. He will avenge us. See, I love this so much because Obi-Wan is so reserved and so more on the defense than than, than the offense. Even when 
Maul kind of kicks the sand and kind of um, extinguishes the fire. Obi-Wan's not phased at all. And if you go back and watch, Obi-Wan lit his saber first. Mm. Well, because he he said protecting someone. And that's when he's like, all right, I have to. He's he's like, that's why I'm here. I have to protect this person because Maul's like, oh, goody. I have something to take away from you now. Because he's like, it might be better if I just leave you here. He's like, oh, wait, you got a purpose. And I can take that from you. And that's how I'm going to beat you. And Mm -hmm. something that Andrew brought to my attention before, his fighting style, Mm -hmm. is this is exactly how he bested him in the first place. Yeah, and that's how he learned from Qui-Gon. And we talked about this in our episode one pod where, you know, when he was young and still inexperienced and learning, you know, when he ran through those those little force field gates, he was charging and just vicious and angry and seeking vengeance and ready and just wanting to fight versus, you know, Qui-Gon, when he was trapped, he was meditating and just preparing and... um he's really grown full circle and, and become more like his master. It's really cool to see that. Right. He also, he also used that to lull Maul into a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Like, cause at first you see him when he ignites his lightsaber, he does his episode three stance with the, the two fingers pointed at you and his lightsaber held back. Yes. And then like Maul's looking at him and changing his stance. So then he moves it over his lightsaber over to his side, ready position from his masters um, from Qui-Gon's, um, lightsaber stance. So he's like, all right, I'm going to lull him in a false sense of security. Cause if you look at Maul's eyes, he studies them and his eyes get a little bit wider when he does that. Cause he's like, I remember this. Mm. You want to, you want to, what's it called? You want to, um, you know, give reverence to your master. Fine. He uses that same move that he did on Qui-Gon where he, he, uh, hits, he tries to hit him in the face. Yeah. And Obi-Wan, the master of form three, Seresu was more than prepared. He's like, all right, because if you notice, their fight wasn't long this time. No, no, it was all like, of their fights before were very long. Right, it was like three three saber hits total, and it, it, it's over. Most and... most samurais and and sword fighters today say most um, sword combats are not that long. So mm-hmm. with with the best of fighters, that's generally how it goes. And to put yourself in Maul's head, he's been seeking revenge for gosh what 30 years yeah just running through the desert screaming screaming kenobi which every time i think of maul that's all i hear is him screaming kenobi on on tatooine sam just just find a gif yeah sam whitwer doing it in the sound booth it's so like he's just so into it he literally uses his whole body yeah you can see like veins almost popping out of his it's on youtube it's like a 27 (laughs) 20 second clip he's got veins practically popping out of his head guy i love that guy Alyssa, you'll have to drop that on the social media. I will for sure put that out. (laughs) Um, So as far as my favorite characters, we said half of them, Um, you know, Thrawn, you know, uh, Kallus, uh, Hondo. I love Hera. I love Hera so much. I want to adopt her as my older sister. She's fan-freaking-tastic. She's the mom. As much as I like to think I could be Sabine, I'm Hera. Like... (laughs) Really? Right? Don't you think, guys? Like, I, 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 I like to think I'm cool and like have purple hair and could blow shit up, but I'm usually like, Andrew, Johnny, Contrera, you didn't text me back all day long. Why are you ignoring me? Or <laughs> why? Why did you spend money on this thing? You're so stupid. What are you thinking? <laughs> you know. So I like to think I I'm Sabine, like but I know I'm Hera. Like, I feel like you have the best <laughs> of both. 
She kind of does. Aww, so dang. diplomatic of you, Wyatt. <laughs> uh, I'm married, so I'm trained to say it that way. Yeah, that's fair. My cousin um, has trained you well. I, I like I like Sabine. Um, I like her her character development, especially um, mm. in the the dark saber episodes yes. where she's training, and then you know the whole where she finally lets go of like all of her burdens, and we find out a lot about her. Like the whole uh, everything I did was for family. I almost cried when she did that um i liked visago um i specifically yes. liked when they um commandeered that crawler he goes oh you guys came to free me you, you guys didn't come to free me and they're right. like, uh, He's oops. like <laughs> everyone always forgets about him I, I had so that funny. in my notes too and and i liked i liked uh rex you know as a senior citizen but still still in it and he's like he's he's with the team and he does stuff i yeah, and then obviously I like Zeb, and I mean, sure, I like Ezra. The whole show is basically kind of about Ezra, yeah. but he's—I don't want to say he's like my least favorite character because I, I pretty much like all the characters. If I had a least favorite character, it'd probably be uh, as Morgan, um, to, to be quite he's honest. Not great. He's not great. He's and he's terribly annoying. But as far as like of the main characters, like yeah, I like Ezra, but he's—he's—I don't like him any more than I like anybody else. Kind of how Wyatt feels about Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and they're very similar. We'll in my get book. into that. They're only, <laughs> they're only a couple days <laughs> apart as far as age, by the way. That's so interesting. I did not know that. All right. Next, let's let's start to talk about our takeaways from Rebels as as a whole. Um, something that like really stood out to me um, was this, yeah, this idea that like life's not about you. And we really see this like through Kanan's story throughout the whole show. Um, and even like the first time we see him is in A New Dawn, one of the Kanan books. Um, the, this book is mainly about Kanan and Hera, how we, how we first meet them. And he's drunk, he's selfish, he's like a survivor of Order 66, but he's just like, I'm going to be as un-Jedi as possible so I don't get found out, which I mean is like pretty smart to stay alive. But, like, what is the galaxy looking like? I mean, like, the Empire's thriving. Like, they're, they're in their prime, right? Um, and when Hera meets him, he, uh, she kind of hates him. Like, the, like, he's not, like, the most pleasant person to be around. Um, but then, like, as, like, the book goes on, then he, like, starts to, like, care about people. Um, and then, like, Hera starts to, like, actually notice him and, like, oh, like, there's actually, like, potential to him. And then, like, when we get into Rebels, like, he's part of the ghost crew and he's actually like doing this whole Robin Hood type thing. Um, and some good <laughs> things are starting to happen. Um, but then he meets Ezra and he like has a choice of like, all right, am I going to like train this kid? Uh, I'm not even like a fully trained Jedi myself. Like, does it make sense to train him? Now at first it's like not going well. So he's going to try and pawn him off on Luminara, but uh, she's, she's dead. So he can't do that. Um, <laughs> so then he, he, figures that he has to but then he actually like gets into it he's like i could actually like i'm not gonna try and do it i'm going to commit myself he had the best it. quotes in the whole show as oh, far yeah. as like meaningful Absolutely. stuff well and he also just kind of regurgitated a lot of jedi sayings but he actually like figures out what they mean like as he figured out the fair. do or that's do fair. not 
there is no well trial. and ezra he helps him out. ezra helps him too and he's like but don't you mean this and he's like yeah oh. he's like it doesn't make much sense but then right. at the end of the episode he's like i got it i, yes. I learned the lesson <laughs> so now he's like training ezra and and the, they're getting wrapped up in this rebellion uh, then he gets captured by the Grand Inquisitor and they have kind of that conversation about how he was a coward and he, like the Grand Inquisitor has the line like what would your precious crew know if their leader is a coward that he ran mm-hmm. so he's like dealing with that as like part of his identity uh, but through it all he's like trying to follow the will of the force uh, last time I was on here we talked a lot about Qui-Gon and how he's like whatever the force wants I'm gonna do I think Kanan's like the next closest person we get to that mm. um, throughout the show. Um, so he's trying to follow the will of the force. Uh, we fast forward a little bit and then he gets blinded and he, he comes to another choice of like, am I going to let this stop me? And at first he does. He like sits out the first episode of season three. He's like literally just sitting and meditating where the crew is going off in a danger and things actually don't go well. The crew is like off the rails, like, Ezra is listening to the dark side of the force. Things aren't going well without him until he, he actually learns becomes from more powerful after he like learns quote unquote to see. Yes. From with Bendu. the Bendu's help. He, yeah. Yeah. He literally becomes like more powerful as he's blind. I'm like, dude, way to daredevil that. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a really cool transition. Um, so after that he serves and he's continuing to follow the will of the force. And then we get to, season four where where he's almost driven by like the will of the force like when we get to jedi knight like wyatt mentioned um like we see like this determination like Mm. his like face is like set on like hey i have to do this i'm okay with it right like it's he like comes to this choice of am i gonna sacrifice myself for my friends and for the first time he like doesn't hesitate he's like i'm doing it i'm rescuing hera i know what it means this is the move. And it's just like this whole lesson that he's trying to pass on to Ezra. Like we, we see in, in the earlier episodes of like Ezra's like selfish learning how to survive and the crew is trying to impart on him. No, we need to like care about people. So this is like a lesson that Kanan's learning the whole time, but also trying to pass on to Ezra. Um, and then therefore us as the audience. And I just think that's like so sweet um, that even like we do get that as like the ultimate sacrifice of Kanan. But then that's a lesson that Ezra learns. And at the end of the show, he does the same thing. Um, so that was one of the major takeaways for me. That was really frigging good, Brian. I'm just going to take, I'm going to take one second and be like, that's my brother. And I'm super frigging proud of <laughs> and how I awesome taught him that everything he knows. No, I, I didn't. I didn't teach the kid <laughs> I don't crap. Think that's, I don't think that's where he's going with that. I appreciate it. I, I didn't thing. teach the kid crap, to be honest. I tried teaching him math, and I couldn't do that after second grade. I just wasn't good at it. But like how how profound that was, how deeply thought out that was. That was really freaking good. That's a that's a lot of what I had, and like a lot of a lot of that. To your point, like the major takeaways I had were generally through Canaan. Um, because like how you said he was drunk and all that for a while before we get to the rebels, he, he tells Ben he goes, I tried to live like you, you know, in the middle, you know, sitting everything out. He goes, mm. he said, but then I, when I saw innocence harmed and I knew that I had the power to do something about it, I couldn't just stand there and watch it burn down around me. So that His was the delivery of, of that line. Shivers. Perfect dude. Perfect. That is possibly my favorite line uh, in the whole show, but as far as um, like takeaways, it's fun if you read the the newer Thrawn trilogy because you notice um, 
it takes this the trilogy uh, is literally written about around his um appearances in the show so you have the whole nice. first book and then at the end of it is basically when he's introduced because he when he shows up in season three and constantine's like grand admiral and he said uh the emperor recently promoted me after my victory at padone that was the last battle in that first book so when he had met price earlier that's why she knew to call him in mm. you know, they had helped each other out because he's not political at all that's why he gets like he gets screwed over all the time by his fellow imperials because he knows nothing of politics but he, he's he's straight warrior strategy whereas she's just like all right you're gonna help me out with a couple of things and i'm gonna help pave your way you know politically i'll, I'll smooth over anything that happens then we get to book two um which is after season three when he technically lets the rebels escape he catches some crap from vader and the emperor so and the emperor sees that his two top dogs ain't working well together so he's like all right you guys are going on a mission together so then after that you know he's in season four and then if you notice he goes away for a little while and he doesn't show up till almost like the very end of season four and that's because he had the whole third book to do so that was that was something that i noticed um you know reading the books and as far as like, you know, live action takeaway and stuff like that, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I that's pretty much it for me. Brian kind of knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it's kind of hard to follow that. <laughs> just end the podcast right now. I, mean. I know, <laughs> drop the mic. The one takeaway that I really got um, that we didn't talk about yet was from Ezra. And this might just be me, like, again, being new to this part of the canon and everything, but when Ezra said that nobody won the Clone Wars and that the mm. Empire won and tricked everybody, I was like, what? Like, Mic that's drop. so true. That's such a great way of thinking about it. So I thought that was really interesting to Someone not only be like, it. you guys shouldn't fight each other. You're fighting for the same thing, whatever. He was like, look, y'all are stupid. The Empire's tricking y'all. Like, come on. So... That's yeah. a short one, but that was really kind of my main that's, like that's a good mind thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. My my takeaway is actually I got it all from one episode. So season three, episode fourteen, Trials of the Dark Saber. Mm-hmm. So it's Excited. the one one. Let's where talk about it. Finally, somebody the, brought it up. So I brought it up this, earlier. So <laughs> this is the one where Sabine is training with Dark Saber, you know, a Mandalorian weapon, and she is a Mandalorian. Um, and Kanan's training her and kind of like taunting her when training. And this is where we find out, or very, or just before this, we find out that Sabine was actually part of the Empire building that ion cannon or some, some type of weapon that cooks people literally inside of their, yeah. inside the of best their, car armor. Inside the best car. You see, a, a such a glow up of Sabine from this from this episode and you really get to see her grow and I try to whatever I'm watching I try to place it in to in my life today so to see her kind of go through those trials and come out basically a ninja with a with a with, with a lightsaber <laughs> um, nice you know it's really inspiring to me um so that actually brings me uh, on to our next segment, plot holes. So, Darksaber. 
Let's do it. This, because this bugs me. So in Rebels, she, um, Sabine hands off the Darksaber to Bo-Katan. It's just a baton in a relay race. Like it has no meaning. What then else? how come at the end of Mandalorian season two, she can't just take it. She has to fight for it. Well, Here's- technically she wasn't supposed to, you know, <laughs> take it from her the first time. Because, like she said, it's it's the story that counts. So if she's going to be the leader a second time and literally had it handed to her a second time, that's not exactly the strongest vote of confidence from her supporters, which are an entire race of warriors who could want to claim the throne. Gosh. So here's the double standard. Bo-Katan says, why do you wear your helmet all the time? You're just like following these rules that were created by this religious cult. You're such a weirdo. And then she's like, no. I have to follow these rules created by a religious cult that I can't. Well, Change. one of them doesn't matter. The other one can get her attacked right, repeatedly. Right, but to, all but the to time. him it matters, right? So sure. it's just yes, this like double standard. One of them standard. isn't going to endanger his life. Like, mm. especially now that his entire cult is wiped out. Well, him taking we off don't his know helmet. That. We don't know going... that. Yeah, we don't know where the armor is and what's going on. But like, anyway, for the most part, mind... he's not going to be targeted for doing that. If she right, just announces, he hey, I got the Darksaber again, everybody's going to try and gun for her job. He doesn't want to be, you know, cast out by his people and them turn their that's backs true. on him. You know what I mean? That's what he's worried about more than anything, I think, because that's his clan and his family is gone, and that's all, the only thing he's ever known. So in my mind, the whole situation is very much for me, um, like growing up being cafeteria Catholic, if you guys have ever heard that uh, expression. No, never. I, I You've never heard not. of this? Okay, so being a cafeteria Catholic basically means you pick and choose things from the traditions and rules and faith that abide with your lifestyle, and you're going to uh, abide by her. those things and not like, you know, like, whatever I, I don't want to get into religion and be specific but like i'm the definition of a cafeteria catholic and i would i would gamble to say a lot of people are as well um so it's really just like taking the beliefs that fit your your situation and i think that's kind of what she was doing originally by taking it and being like this is fine it works now but now that Poyos Hermanos over here has to be like, hey, this is the rule and you suck and you have to follow it. Ha ha, I win. <laughs> then she gives a crap about the story was, and the he rules. He was such a tool and, about it too. Like he loves to be. I mean, it was his mm. plan all along. It was genius. It was it was Thrawn-like of him. We can just say that. It very was very manipulative yeah. and very well thought out. But yeah, I think that whole thing was just very much like, it's, it's very hypocritical or... Um, that's not the right word, but it's very just uh, the pot calling the kettle black here saying like, you have to follow these rules, but I don't have to. I can take my helmet off and then saying, you you can't be the ruler. I want to be the ruler, but I have to do it in the way that these people say I have to do it. Do you know what I mean? I would have been like, literally just punch me in the face and take it. <laughs> the right, and that's what he said. And he was like, here, hit me. I don't, what here, whatever, here, take it. I don't, whatever, <laughs> kick me. I don't know, swipe my leg, do it. And she's like, no, it's not a real duel. Yeah, they're definitely a very prideful crew. I think it's it's more what, what I've gathered from it. I think it could be any of these things. I think what it could be more of is the fact that she lost it, presumably to Moff Gideon, right? Um, Which I'm wondering like, I, at how. The, at the very, yeah, how, no, no idea, right? Like, But like we know that he had it and 
in order to rule, she needed to get it back specifically from him. And the fact that that is not what happened is probably where the problem is arising. Cause like, you don't want a ruler that's lost it, you know, like getting yeah, it the right. first time, that's probably more okay. Cause she never had it in the first place. You know, like this is one ruler entrusting it to another. Oh, now you're saying because she had it, she's got to earn it back kind of thing. Yes. Like okay. it was entrusted to her and she has now. This is some it. elder wand shit all over again. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that makes sense. If it's not that, I don't think it makes sense. Well, uh, and like, I'm totally with you with the double standard thing. But Well, and how does it work then? Because, you know, Sabine obviously stole it from Maul and she didn't win it from him. So what does that say about the whole situation to begin with? I mean, well, she's crafty as heck if you can one. steal from <laughs> Right, right. That's it, Brian. That's what I was waiting for you to say. Right. Somebody to say it. Nobody knew that story, so it didn't matter. She so defeated him in mental games. You got all those games. people in that room that want to back you up. Why don't you just swear a blood oath or some, I don't know, something and just make these people. We have truth serum in Rebels. Why don't we have like a memory eraser flashy thing, men in black situation? Plus, huh. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Casca Reeves was going to give her up either. So That's what I'm saying. I'm saying. She, she would have helped a sister out for sure. Oh, we could talk about this forever. I digress. Um, the only thing that I did notice was awfully convenient um, that they did not talk about in the uh, in the first episode with the Pergil, the, the giant space whales is Ezra knew exactly what frequency to set it to attract them from across the galaxy. Um, he, he's like, oh, go up and press frequency zero and, and then they'll come. We did not talk about that previously. Did you test this? Have you had time to go up? And, I wonder what- But he has like that special talent where he's force he's sensitive to animals. to animals. So maybe that has, I mean, I'm assuming that hmm, would have that, something I guess to that do makes with sense. it. Right, then, and that like would mean he, he would have to sit in front of the frequencies, keep pressing them, and like use the force. You know, I guess that kind of sounded like that mental connection I had. That was kind I of mean, my it's only like, thing. It's, it's, it's like, scraping the bottom of the barrel for for a problem, but that's the only one that I had. I feel like it's the same idea, like in music, and why it can maybe back me up. It's like sight sight singing when you're, you know, or sight playing a piece when you're mm -hmm. given music. It's like. I can see the notes on paper and in my mind, I know exactly what sound that is, right? Mm -hmm. So it's probably a similar thought, especially with somebody who has magical force ability to, to do that. So I'll that's, take a, that's I'm, funny. I'm glad you brought up Purgles, uh, Andrews. I do have a question. So I listened to another podcast earlier. They were saying that Purgles were, are the reason why the force was kind of, um, entertained by people because they saw these creatures that were able to travel very quickly through um, um space yeah so you're talking about that's why they invented hyper hyperspeed kind of thing hyperspace kind of, yeah that's kind of it's because yeah. of these space whales that's why they kind of why they tr travel through hyperspace now yeah, and if you kind of noticed, um, the wolves, they didn't necessarily travel through hyperspeed, but they, when they were traveling through the rocks and the mountains, the, the rocks and mountains kind of formed an archway, and mm -hmm. they were able to traverse half the planet in a short distance because they're in tuned with the force. So that was kind of cool how we get to see like two creatures do supernaturally fast things. So it just kind of, it just kind of goes like, you know, 
humans or aliens don't know everything about the force because well, these they, these lower creatures are yeah. capable of doing those things and i mean these are force sensitive animals versus like a loth cat's not gonna do that right <laughs> like not to hate on them there's nothing wrong with them but like no but to apple, answer why apples to, and to answer, oranges <laughs> yeah to answer why it's question yeah that that's i don't know if they i don't remember if they said that in the first episode with them but i'm pretty sure that's what um gave them the inspiration yeah 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 she said it's more of like a legend says type thing like Mm -hmm. it's not like opening up our history textbooks to page 32 this is where we find it (laughs) uh this is like uh stories of like all the pilots like this is like consensus like this is probably where we got it from yeah (laughs) i'm surprised you didn't say open your books to page 394 (laughs) Why it is very um, Mr. Weasley. <laughs> Good though. Okay. Anyway, um, my takeaway for plot holes is around the episode we we kind of talked about uh, before with the the doors, right, and the the world between worlds. I thought that was really cool that they kind of pieced things together to explain how Ahsoka and Vader both survived the temple collapsing. Um, because they just kind of left that off as a cliffhanger and Ezra's like no and the door shuts and he can't save her and that's you know presumably where they die and it's left off and then everybody else in the canon is like we know Vader is not dead because we get the rest of the story later on Um, but I thought that was really cool to see how they both got out of there and and got to walk away from it so that was kind of neat to to connect the plot there. Right Andrew and Brian you were watching this as it was being released on Disney XD right? Yep. So uh, uh, give or take, I, I didn't have Disney XD. I think we had it for the first few episodes and then our, our package changed or whatever. So I was buying them on iTunes as they were coming out. So what we, did you think at the end of season two that Ahsoka died? Um, I was kind of ambiguous about it, but I was leaning more towards that she was, uh, you know, I... Thinking back, because this was like 2015, I think, that when this happened, because I think yeah, season so one was 2014. <laughs> I think that I thought she lived, um, because if you you see Vader limping away at the end of that episode outside, and it, 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 it pans the camera, and it shows the doorway he came from, and it's really bright. It's, it's dark, and then at the end of it, it was bright, but you see a figure. So now we don't know if that's an actual figure or that's part of a wall. We don't know, but that's, and especially because Morai escaped, that's kind of what made me think Mm. that Mm. I I was like, I think she survived that. So I was, it was, it wasn't quite 50, 50, but it was like 60, 40, 60 that she was alive, 40% that she had passed. That's kind of my thoughts on it. What do you, what about you, Brian? For me, I would say the opposite. Um, just because, like, when you're like that scene that you're talking about, like to me, that looked like she was a force ghost at that point, uh, like sitting in the ooh. temple. That's um, really good. I never thought about that. So, I like, I don't know if that was like, I That's think the intention was to, to make it look as ambiguous as possible. Yes. Um, so, like, for me, like, that's what I took from it. Like, I definitely like hoped that she was still alive at some point. Uh, like we talked about earlier with like the Ahsoka lives question mark hashtag that yeah. was around for a while. Like I was definitely like, I wanted her to be alive, but to me that looked like 
they're saying she's dead at least right here mm-hmm. like who knows like if she comes back how she'll come back who knows but um that's what i thought of from that well her death is why he started using the the hollow the the, the dark side holocron in the first yeah. place the sith holocron mm-hmm. you know yeah. i will never let my friends get hurt again you know between her quote-unquote dying and Kanan going blind so the fact that he was able to fix his quote-unquote failure which you know isn't his fault right you know vader shows up you're 15 16 years old you're not taking him it's not happening but well it's obviously, that and even like being manipulated by maul as and well be, yes and being manipulated by maul which none of that was really his fault but obviously when something like that happens that's not how you think you mm-hmm. automatically just take blame so the fact that he was able to go back and fix that was really really i think healthy for his character mm. so yeah we get to see that growth for sure mm-hmm I think for me, uh, this isn't maybe so much a plot hole, but like wondering what is going on, like behind the scenes. Um, like we do see Maul does still have some resources. Like he has like this base in the asteroids. Um, we do see like in Solo, he still like has command of some of his underworld empire. Um, so, but there is like a time difference in between the two. Um, so as far as like what I thought of for this was like, what has been going on in between? Like, what does he actually still own technically? Um, like, does he still have the Pikes? Does he still have the um, Black Sun? Does he still have Crimson Dawn? Like, those are some like questions that I would want to be answered at some point. I don't think they've been answered yet. I don't think uh, so either. I've kind of looked because it seems like he has an awful lot of more time on his hands in Rebels than he did in Solo. Like at the end of Solo, he's sitting on that throne. Mm-hmm. So it was like literally him in command. But now in five to however many years later in Rebels, five, six, seven years later in Rebels, he's got like all this like time and just more on a mission. So I'm thinking in my mind, like he's always low key looking for Kenobi, but he was like a dog a rabid dog with a bone in rebels looking for kenobi so i'm thinking in between that is when he loses even more of his power he probably Um, just like gave it up honestly just like i don't care about this anymore he's like like, i'm getting older kenobi's probably dead but i gotta find out for sure because uh this is going on 30 years we gotta wrap this crap up yeah i don't want to die if there's a chance kenobi's still alive so I don't care if I have to throw away all my I don't resources. care if I get cut in half again. I will kill this man. I will crawl across the desert to kill this man. I'll sacrifice a thousand children before I, anyone. <laughs> I let this company die. Before I let this before company I let die. Before I let this company die. Thank you. I got you. It's Actually, I think, Kenobi I think the, scream here. I think the quote was, I'll kidnap a thousand children, which is even worse. Is that well, not what I said? I don't know what I said. said. I think you said, said sacrifice. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that's worse. Well, than Anakin much. Skywalker, I'll listen either way. Whoops. Um, so one of the things I was thinking about is what you guys' what-ifs would be for this show. Because my what-if, my first what-if was going to be, what if some way he could save Kanan? But it, there's, really, there's really no way... <laughs> Why, the, could, why was that an annoying voice? Because <laughs> in my head, there's really no way they can actually have saved Kanan. So 
Nobody what- ever really dies in Star Wars, though, as we've said. Uh, my what if is, um, I know this is technically like, well, I guess it's season two, season three. What if um, when he saves Ahsoka, she had actually in that time that we don't see between her and Vader until that episode, what if she had actually managed to turn him? Say that one more time. I don't follow the question. So <laughs> in World Between Worlds, when he pulls her out of, of the timeline, basically to save her life, and it actually shows a little more of, of her and Vader's duel that we mm-hmm. didn't see in Twilight of the Apprentice. What if, you know, she, you know, she gets pulled out of time, but she has good news. She was actually able to turn Vader back to in that, in that point. Oh, okay. That's why I said technically it's two and three or two and four actually. But so I, I know the biggest thing is that it, the, the whole reason she failed is because only Luke can do it is what the, what the narrative was supposed to be but what if she had succeeded i mean what would I that think have if, looked like i think if she did it would be temporary it would just be you know we mm-hmm. we kind of we kind of saw a little bit of that with kylo where he was pulled to the light here and there especially with the the uh throne room scene with snoke where he you know completely just went off the wall and then he was like just kidding rule the galaxy with me and ray was like lol no um so i think exactly the kind of answer i'm looking for right like i'm one of your opinions yeah i think if anything if she was able to do it because we do see him for a moment she can hear the anakin in the vader voice right um and she sees those god-awful scary yellow eyes um but can really see anakin and see the scared kid who was her master um so yeah if she was able to do it i think it it wouldn't have been strong enough like you're saying it would only be temporary it's i think luke helped anakin realize not only like the significance of him being his father but just like the significance of him and having the desire of pulling himself out of a place because it's like in any situation you know whether it's you know about mental illness or mental health or something where if you're in a funk you can have people tell you that you're the best person in the world. You can be Robin Williams and everybody thinks you're funny and everybody loves you and you have such a great family and you have all the success and you have all this money and you have children and whatever like Anakin had. But if you don't have that will to do it for yourself, is it enough? And I don't think that's the case, right? As we've seen with Robin Williams and so many other great people, Anthony Bourdain, you know, another example, just so many great um famous people in our lives. And I'm sure there's other people that aren't famous that are more significant in our lives that, that go through the same, same struggle. So kind of a weird way to answer your question. Sorry. No, that was, to go that, off was on a that was really good. Rabbit hole. I don't know. Like I, I, Anakin is so filled with hate that I honestly don't think apart from Luke, his own, his own blood, I don't think anybody could have turned him, even his own, his own Padawan. Um, I mean, right. go back, go back a little bit, a little bit back and more to season two, where Vader and um, Palpatine are talking, and um, they're talking about that he sensed Ahsoka nearby. You know, Anakin's all Padawan, and um, Palpatine's like, maybe this is the the key to finding the Rebel base. Mm. So, 
already, you know, Anakin separated himself from from Vader. Um, I don't know. I think I think Vader's like I said before. Vader's gone. Vader's turned. He is now Vader. He's no more Anakin. Although he did call out Ahsoka in both Vader's voice and Anakin's voice. Right. I know that's a that's a great question, but on it, I don't think so. No. Personally, I don't either. It was just kind of like I said. It was just a it was just a what if because um, I, I had read something that like like Ahsoka helped. And that's what made Luke able to do so, uh, but he, but Luke was going to be the catalyst. Luke was right. going to be the reason. Right, and I think, like I said, it's it's not even Luke being the person to pull him out. It's Luke reminding him who he is and mm. and is making him human again. Remember who you remember are. who you are. That's another Darth Vader Mufasa voice. <laughs> is the same person. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I think the only thing I would maybe add is like. At this stage in Anakin's life, I mean, like if Padme couldn't pull him back, like his own wife, like yeah. his apprentice ain't gonna do it. Um, yeah, he didn't even know he had a son or a daughter exactly. yet. So yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, so I, I would just echo the rest of what you guys said. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of the live action crossovers, I mean, we definitely touched on our favorite characters, so. I'm totally guilty to say a lot of those people in this category, but I think to go back to Kevin McKidd over here, um, <laughs> he would be so perfect as a live action Fent Rao. They, I feel like they look similar and I don't know if the character was like based off of how Kevin McKidd looks or not or whatever. He's a redhead with blue eyes. Um, he's six feet tall. He played a military man in um, Grey's Anatomy. So he has like the build, the athleticism. Like I think he could absolutely kill it um, and and look just like he did in, in the animated version. I think that'd be really cool. I only want one person, which I think we're going to get because their name was dropped in Mandalorian Thrawn, season Thrawn, two. Thrawn, 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 yes. Thrawn, Thrawn. Mm -hmm. you, you can yes. drop a name that famous to rebels fans and not expect to not I lost use my it. mind i lost my mind i was I shocked it. that they did that i was like yes best day ever <laughs> like i was watching I, I, it with my dad who has not seen rebels and was like what and i paused it and i was like oh my gosh and then i did the whole like <laughs> charlie at the blackboard yeah. explaining everything <laughs> and he was That's just funny. like i just wanted to know why a cat walked by i don't i don't know like and i was yeah, like i bust no, down the door the significance right i bust down the door with my own chalkboard of legends thrown and you're like i don't i don't even know <laughs> Literally. what's going on i don't know what Literally. that is but yes but i'm taking <laughs> furious notes the whole time and i'm like no tell me more but so i'm i'm hoping we get him um, at least in the Mandalorian timeline, because we've also got the Book of Boba Fett and another series along that same timeline. So he could show up at any time. Yeah, I think um, he'll for sure be in the Ahsoka series. And I think that kind of leads to uh, an obvious question. If we're getting a live action Thrawn, are we getting a live action Ezra? Ezra right. I think you gotta. Like it, if, if Thrawn comes back, without Ezra like that's gonna like, be the did you really question. did you murder yeah. a kid Thrawn like, did you murder a kid <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him like I feel like you would have just been like 
I'm just going to leave you here. I'm going to go back. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think he would kill him. He would either be like, all right, you're coming with me or you stay in here. I'm not going to kill you, but you're either coming as a prisoner or you stay in here. What if he manages to turn him? Because we already saw how many times he was like tempted by Palpatine and the dark side and Maul and all of this other stuff. I don't think if, uh, if Palpatine, the master manipulator using his parents, Mm-hmm. I don't think if that worked, I don't know if Thrawn could have. And Palpatine almost got him in the very last episode. Um, very last episode, we have a Rebels, right? Um, almost had him, but like I, the weird thought I have in my head is, what if they come back and they're both best friends? You know? Yeah, both- right. Or he I turns Thrawn. She- yeah, I think it's plausible they form some sort of alliance, especially if they like. If survived. they end up somewhere, if well, <laughs> yes, if they survived, yes. If they end up somewhere in the unknown regions where stuff uh-huh. is crazy, like, there's only one scenario I see them coming back on the same side, and Brian already knows where I'm going with that. Are you saying like the unknown regions is is this like an Ant Man when you go subatomic and you're like, no, I mean ah, unknown right. regions is like, I mean it's pretty, it's they the edge of it. our galaxy and beyond kind of thing. Yeah, like it's, I mean it, they explored a bit in like the sequel trilogy. That's where like a lot of the stuff is like kind of going down. But like that's where the first order hid for decades. Yeah, yeah, like there's, it's just not as explored. So there's just a lot of like untamed unknown people. Yeah, untamed unsettled. Yeah. I think like literally how they say it in like yeah. some of the books. Or I'm not or thinking shows. in terms of like the exact same scenario, but it sounds like the same significance that it's like, oh my god, it's such a big deal. You don't go subatomic, uh, like because he goes in or the quantum realm. Sorry, yeah. when he goes in the quantum realm, you don't. Right. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's I, kind I, I of the same significance. You generally don't go to the unknown regions unless you're prepared for some crap to go down. Um, especially, like especially, really in, <laughs> especially in legends, there's a, a really, really big bad alien race called the Yuzon Vong, and it's kind of one of the things that one of the reasons Thrawn worked with the Empire is because he's like, there are threats outside this galaxy that you guys don't know about. But I want my home world protected in exchange for helping you out. Yeah. So and that's even, the only way I see those reasons. Together. He sets those reasons in in canon as well in the first Thrawn book. Yeah. Not like I mean they don't name drop the Vong because they don't exist anymore. But sure. there are like Shout other out. other threats. <laughs> this would be a great way to bring them back. I don't know if you're listening, Disney. <laughs> But they're, they're, they're totally like listening. They are subscribed. <laughs> they are subscribed listeners. Dave Filoni's our number one fan. Oh yeah. I think to, sure. to pull it back, I think like the only way like they're on the same side is if like they are in the unknown regions and like run into some stuff and they have to actually work together. Because I like, I mean, Thrawn isn't your typical evil McBad guy. He's right. Like, no, he evil was... McBad guy. Well, I mean, you think of like That's every good. other Imperial officer, they're just evil for the sake of evil, like especially Palpatine, like penultimate evil McBad guy. Ultimate, he's just, yeah. He's just so... Yeah. Or, or Valen Thrawn... Hess from Mandalorian who just didn't care that he lost entire oh, yeah. legions of troops on an Imperial planet. Yeah, and Thrawn so, like, trained with Anakin for a little bit, right? Uh, they, they did. They, had, they, they went into together. some shenanigans together. So like yes. they're... Yeah, and uh, you know, spoilers, but the that second book of the I'll, trilogy. I'll send you good. my audible uh, account for those. <laughs> um, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So like, I I don't think they would be like opposed to each other just because oh we were on the opposite sides of this war. I think like if they like actually sat down and like mm. talk things through, like I don't fair, think fair. that 
they the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of yeah thing. and like they're they're not even i wouldn't even necessarily call like them like personal enemies like you see right. like thrawn have like a grudging respect toward like uh hera and like especially sato like you can like tell even yep. in, like their yep. like repertoire or whatever so for sure yeah i that's what i would say to that what about jason sandula we haven't talked about him why did so my question for brian is why does he not look like that deserter clones kids with that twi'lek on um felucia in the clone wars there was an episode in season two where rex gets injured and they take him to like this farmer and her husband comes home and it's a clone deserter i remember you remember how those kids were literally half twi'lek they were. And it was so this cool. Ki- this kid is just a human Here's with a thing. giant mouth and green hair. Here's the thing. Giant mouth. Oh, my God. Here's oh, the thing. That's funny huge. because I literally just watched a TikTok about this, and it was like one of those stitch situations, and it was like, tell me how when your child was born, you were so astounded that they looked nothing like you. Um, and it's kind of like my family situation because my mom is Hispanic and my dad is like, looks like Brian. He's super white with red hair. <laughs> and so I come out and I'm a brunette with hazel eyes and fair skin <laughs> and freckles. And my parents are like, whose kid is this? And then my brother, my brother comes along, yeah. right? My brother comes along, looks just like my mom, dark, curly hair, dark eyes, dark skin. And, you know, my dad takes him to the Boy Scout camp and he climbs a tree and somebody goes, hey, is that your little black boy up there? And my dad just like, I'm not even going to explain this. Yes, it's my kid. Like, whatever. Because <laughs> wow. um, he when he was in the Scouts, he could grow his hair out into an Afro. So he looked African-American. He looked black. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, kind of funny. And he was just like, I'll never explain this. So, I mean, if we're throwing an alien race in there. And we're talking about real human beings that don't look like their family or parents. Like the kid has like green tipped ears, green hair, green eyes, right? I or, guess, but he looks more Vulcan than anything else. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably a better answer than I would have, honestly. Like, I mean, back to the, like what we talked about earlier, like I don't even know when they had time to like have that kid. I'm saying so, like, who, it's a who the heck knows? And even like I'm pretty sure in Legends, Twi'leks and humans couldn't have kids anyway. So like the rules are all miracle. different now. So like well, I don't, if we're going I about don't the rules know. are different. Friggin' uh, what was it? The end of Clone Wars that uh that planet that's now in the Outer Rim, um the the one they were on in the first episode oh, arc. Nexus. Yeah, Anaxis. It like up until recently was in the Core Worlds. Yeah. And was like a major college that you went to if you were in the Republic or if you were in later in the Empire. Yeah. There was a military college. And now they're just like, so um, that's in the Outer Rim now. And it's going to get hit by an asteroid. So it's not going to have any yeah. future. In that's why it looks like all broken in Rebels when they're there. Oh, it was literally hit by an asteroid and like oh everybody died. <laughs> I Hashtag new it. canon. It'd be that way sometimes. Right, yeah. right. But do you guys think he, you know, if we got him in live action, you know, obviously his father was a Jedi and force sensitive and a force wielder. Could we get Jason as a Jedi? Is that possible? Is there any other material on him in the canon? I could see that more instead of um a movie series i could say that more of like a video game to be honest oh yeah that would make more sense something i was thinking about because i is the ghost is in nine right 
I think the ghosts, yes, yeah, the ghosts in episode and the nine. Falcons show up in nine. Yeah. So, uh, if like, I mean, so the ghost is there, like Hera would be like pretty old, right? 60s, like, almost 70. Yeah. Cause like, she's, uh, older than Luke and Leia. Um, she's like, right? er, she's late twenties, early thirties yeah. in rebels. And then you go forward 34 years, 35 years for that movie. So Ooh about 65 ish so like it could it could be her in it or it could be jason flying yeah that's a great point we also don't know how long twi'leks live like that could right. they could live 200 years so she's basically like just still 30 i mean you just i don't know but i don't know that's that could I, be that's that could be cool if of. it's him that could be yeah. cool if it's him like it could, could be both of them you know they're flying it together oh could be oh we would love that we love a so family sweet. connection well, thank you all for joining us uh, once again for listening. Uh, I know we all had a blast uh, doing this one for sure. Uh, this was a highly anticipated one for all of us. And thank you, Brian, my younger brother, for coming up and uh, for being on the pod again. Yay. Yeah, absolutely. I, a, I love being here. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It's it's a fun time with, with this uh, the Specter crew. And I just, I just love being here. <laughs> Invite we me love again, having please. you. <laughs> we love having you they're telling me all the time like andrew why don't we just like have brian and we could just you know ship you off to boarding school <laughs> i, uh, so that's I not like how this they put this it, four but... this four people dynamic is pretty fun for sure <laughs> dude it's always fun uh picking your brain and like i know we grew up together and stuff like that but just when i think i'm like i think i know everything that brian knows and he just like comes out of left field and he's just like oh yeah by the way i listened to these eight books you might want to listen to these my like, crap now i'm behind you <laughs> so you know it's it's always really fun having you on here bry and i, I appreciate you uh coming Thank on you. so um our next pod is gonna be uh rogue one and i am super freaking excited about that because that's we are Possibly not ready my favorite all. Star Wars movie. <laughs> Bring oh. the Kleenex. I am I am I love that movie so much. And then don't forget to um to hit us up on social media. We do have another consult the council coming up. And if you have um dropped questions on us in the past, we will be still reviewing those as well, the ones we have not answered. Um we're gonna try and answer everyone that has come in just whether or not it gets done on this consult the council or another or maybe in one of the movies but we're not going to forget about you guys and we appreciate you for listening thanks for tuning in to this week's episode in the meantime check us out on instagram at specter underscore radio and on facebook as specter radio be sure to submit your questions via social media for a chance to hear us answer them on our upcoming segment consult the council this is specter radio Signing off.